Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, a person could get saved around here, couldn't he? Wow, thank you so much. Wow. Why wouldn't anybody want to be here this morning? I hadn't figured that out. Have you? Well, take your Bible. We're starting a new series this morning called The Making of Me. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, The Making of Me. Well, tell, tell your other neighbor, The Making of Me. Matthew chapter 4, if you would turn there, please. We're going to look at a couple of verses together. Jesus, verse 18 is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let's say that line together. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now let's all participate. Here we go. A lot of gusto here. Here we go. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our gathering, our time, our worship, our praise. Thank you for the ability to come to a place that's safe, where we can worship together. No one persecuting us. We have the opportunity. So, Lord, we are so grateful to hear your word today. Let it uh, touch our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than I first thought this morning. It's interesting to see creation and the progression of God in the act of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void. And then this lifeless, dark planet was subjected to the brooding and the hovering of the Holy Spirit. God spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he divided the light and the darkness. He said, this will be day and this will be night. And then he caused the dry land to come up from the water because the water of the abyss covered the earth and he separated the dry ground and the water. And then he began to bring forth the grass and the herbs and the trees and the sun and the moon and the stars. And then on the fifth day of creation, the waters are filled with life. There are all types of fish and whale and dolphins and all the things that filled the rivers and the lakes. And the birds filled the sky and the ducks on the water and the geese begin to fly. And it's the fifth day of creation. And then day six arrived and the land animals began on the earth, the mammals, the cows and horses and sheep and thousands of other animals began to populate this planet and then this this one line and the creeping things appear I don't like the creeping things do you the creeping things sometimes creep me out 
They're all poisonous until I figure out later they're not. Then on that last act of the crown of creation, God created man in his own image. Now, if we ask God, um, why didn't you speak everything into existence at one time? You know he could have. He could have just said, let there be, and everything would have been created at one time. But for some reason, God, in his infinite wisdom and power, in his knowledge, he did not, even though he could have. He would probably uh, say to us something like this, I got a plan, I'm making something here, Uh, I'm doing this in the right order, one thing leads to another and this has to be systematic and this has to be here a little and there a little, there needs to be rhyme, there needs to be reason, there has to be order because this is dependent upon this and this upon this and this upon this. I got to get this right for this to be right and for this to be right. And every day he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. How many of you know God's good is pretty good? So he had a plan. He's bringing something forth. He, he's making one thing ready for the next thing. I'm making, and here in this passage, he, he looks at Andrew and Peter and James and John And he says, if you'll follow me, I'm going to make you something. Now, not that they weren't something, but they could be more, correct? Every person here should want to become more. Everybody here should have that aspiration. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be more. Not because just for me, but because that's what God wants. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better employee. I want to have a better personality. I want to be more friendly. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more empathetic. I want to be more, more grateful, more loving, extend more grace to receive forgiveness, extend forgiveness. I want to be more. I want to be better at overcoming criticism. Anybody want to be better at that? So there's so many areas we can be better at. And this concept of God saying, I will make you, appears over a hundred times in your Bible. It's thematic through Scripture. You you see, God is saying, I'll make you. He didn't say, I'll zap you. He said, I'll make you. And sometimes people misinterpret Scripture. Because God has a divine order. He's got a plan. He's got a sequence. This leads to this, and this leads to this, and this leads to this. He says, I am making something here. Now, if you remember Abraham, who was Abram before he was uh, given the title and the uh, name of Abraham, God spoke to him and he says, Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. He said, I will make of you a great nation. I will make you fruitful. And here the guy is, he doesn't even have a kid. But God says, I'm making you. 25 years later, God still Working on him, right? I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you fruitful. And I'm sure Abraham thought, when's that ever going to happen? Have you ever thought that about your life? Lord, when's my time coming? When am I going to see this? See, this word that Jesus uses is the Greek word poeo. And it means, and I thought this was interesting, it means I'm building, I'm bringing something forth, I'm working, making ready, I'm preparing. So he looked at Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he says, if you will follow me, I will do a work in your life. I will make you something. I will prepare you for something. I will get you ready 
I'm building something in your life. I'm a firm believer in this. Conversion can happen in a moment, but discipleship takes a lifetime. And you're never done. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not done. You're not done. I always like what Zig Ziglar said. He said, sometimes when my mother would cook, and he said she was a good cook, but sometimes she wouldn't let the biscuits rise enough, and he called it, they got cooked in the squat. You know what that means? They got cooked in the squat. They never did rise. They never get soft and fluffy. They look like hockey pucks. Now, don't look at your wife. Sometimes people get cooked in the squat. They, 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 they don't get made right. They don't have the right timing. They don't have the right environment. And here the Lord is saying, I'm building something in you. I'm making you, and I will forever be making you. How many of you believe God is forever making us? He's got a process. He's got a plan. Look with me at verse number 19 of Matthew 4. Before he said, I'll make you fishers of men, he said something first. He said, follow me. Say that with me. Follow me. Let's all say it. Follow me. You cannot be made unless you accept the invitation. The first thing that happens in this process, your attention, please. You and I first have to realize there's an invitation, and you and I have to accept that invitation. God may want to, but if you don't comply, if you don't give yourself, if you don't answer the call, and here's the good news, the call is universal. Whoever will, let them come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How much did God love? He loved the world. You're in this world, and you're a whosoever. So the invitation comes out to everybody. Now there's specific invitations, callings, anointings, positions, ministries, Business, health, could be a hundred other things we could say that God's calling you to. But the universal call for Jesus to come in your life is extended to everyone. The grace of God has appeared to everyone. Do you believe that? I believe that. But you could miss the invitation. Not that you don't receive it. You could miss the opportunity to reply to it. Uh, let, let me give you some things that I thought was very interesting. Do you know in 1979, Ross Perot, how many of you remember Ross Perot? Uh, half of you don't have a clue who that is. Okay, Ross Perot was a very rich dude from Texas who ran for the president and didn't do very good. But in 1979, he could have bought a company from a 23-year-old man by the name of Bill Gates for $60 million. Now you say, wow, $60 million, that is a lot of money. Do you realize he could have bought Microsoft in 1979 for $60 million? Ross Perot said it was the greatest business mistake of my life because Microsoft today is worth billions of dollars. In 1999, a man by the name of George Bell could have bought Google for $1 million. And he lamented later that he did not buy Google for $1 million because today Google is a billion-dollar business lost opportunities. There was the invitation. It's for sale. Respond to it. I found this interesting. 1984, two teams, the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trailblazers, selected a couple of basketball players over this guy. 
His name was Michael Jordan. How many of you, now come on, help me. How many of you, if you interviewed these execs and coaches and GMs would say to us today, would you redo this NBA draft if you could and you had the opportunity to get Michael Jordan? Let me tell you, 100% would say, yeah, we made a dumb mistake. We had the invitation, we had the opportunity, and we didn't respond. This is what I know about invitations. They can be accepted or rejected. You see, this group here in Matthew 4 immediately followed Jesus. They, they dropped it. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they said, yes, we're going. Do you know others were given the same invitation? They were. One you know by name. And this is the name you know him by. The rich, young ruler. He comes to Jesus. Jesus, what I need to do? Well, you, you need to keep the commandments and, you know, do this, this. And Jesus, you know, is sharing with him. He said, I, I've done all this from my youth up. And Jesus said, so, okay, that's great. Come and follow me. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he didn't respond to the invitation. Do you realize we know about Peter and Andrew and James and John, but the only name we can put to this guy is what? The rich, young ruler. We don't even know his name. People who miss opportunities get lost in history. When God calls you and you respond, there's something that happens there. There was a young man by the name of Saul of Tarsus that, that was going up in Judaism. He's going up in the ranks. He, he began to age probably. He's going to be the head of the Sanhedrin. But when the invitation came, he responded. And he became the Apostle Paul. In the time where Nero is controlling the known world, here's Paul. Do you know today we name our babies Paul and our dogs Nero? It's true. Why? Because somebody answered the invitation. Somebody answered the call. Somebody responded. Listen. Jesus gives the same invitation out to many people. Come follow me. The rich young ruler didn't. He left without following. Matter of fact, there are a lot of people who have good intentions to follow Jesus. You may be here today. You may say, well, I, I think I might want to follow Jesus. I've got good intentions to follow Jesus. Listen, you don't follow Jesus because it's cool. You don't follow Jesus because of culture. You follow Jesus because you fall in love with Jesus. And because he's the Savior and he's the only Savior. And Jesus is going around and he's given invitations. Come and follow me. In John 6 verse 66, Jesus is teaching and he's preaching. And how many of you know sometimes when you follow him, the way gets narrow and sometimes it gets a little tough. And when it happened that way... The Bible says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more than Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? And that's when Peter said, where would we go? You alone have the words to eternal life. Judas started out with Jesus. But he got to see the gain he could get by betrayal greater than the Lord. So he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He was so distressed by rejecting the invitation and the call, he committed suicide. He hung himself. So Jesus is calling. And many are called, but few are 
chosen. You, you ever wonder what, what does that mean? I mean, how do you get chosen? I, I think you get chosen by responding. That's how you get chosen. You say, yes, Lord, I will. I'll lay down my nets. I'll follow you. I'll get out of the boat. I'm going to go where you're going. Noah received an invitation. Aren't you glad Noah got on the boat? Abraham received an invitation. Moses received an invitation. Why do we revere these guys and look at them as heroes? Because they took the opportunity and they responded to the invitation. I read about this young man who fell in love with the farmer's daughter. She was so beautiful. And he loved her. I mean, he, he was stricken with her and wanted to marry her. So he goes to her dad, the farmer, and says, I would like to marry your daughter. And the farmer says, well, if you're really in love with my daughter, he said, I'm going to put you through a test here. And if you pass the test, you can marry my daughter. He said, I'm going to put three bulls in the barn and I'm going to let them out. And if you can grab the tail of one of those bulls and just hold on just for a second or two, you can marry my daughter. He said, man, I'm all over that. He said, okay, you get out in the middle of the field. I'm going to go to the barn. I'm going to let the bulls out. You just grab the tail. Just hold it just for a second or two. Marry my daughter. So the guy goes out. He's in the middle of the field. The barn door opens. The old farmer lets the first bull out, and man, he is a mean bull. I've owned that bull. <laughs> I mean, he's tearing up Jake, and he is romping, and he is snorting, and that young man said, man, that is a mean-looking bull. He said, I think I'm going to pass on that bull. And that bull ran across the field. He backed up, got out of its way, and he said, that next bull's got to be better than this bull. So the barn door opens and the old farmer lets the next bull out and he's bigger and badder than the first bull. He comes out, he's pawing the ground, he's throwing up the dirt, he's shaking his head. I mean, slobber's going from one side to the next. He is snorting, those nostrils are flared and he runs to that young man and that young man runs up on the side of the fence and lets the bull go by. He said, man, my luck's got to get better. And then that third bull, that farmer opens that barn door and the young man smiles and the scrawniest, puniest, weakest little bull pokes his head out. And that young man says, man, I got this. And he positions himself and that little bull runs his way and he gets in the right place at the right time and he jumps for the tail and the bull goes by and he has no tail. <laughs> Sometimes opportunities come in your way and you're not grabbing hold. And it's coming my way and I'm not grabbing on. See, sometimes we don't need more opportunities. We just need to realize the ones that are around us every day. Sometimes God is putting opportunity in front of you and me every day. And we're looking for something else. And we've got something right in front of us. Opportunity for him to make us. Hebrews chapter 3, the writer says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. When? Today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. You know what I know about invitations? Sometimes they're time sensitive. 
Sometimes they're time sensitive. I don't know if Peter and Andrew and James and John had rejected the invitation on that day on the shores of Galilee if Jesus would ever come by again and say, follow me. But he did that one time. Listen, my friend, he is obligated to call you one time and one time only. He may call you three, four, half a dozen, or maybe a million, but I'm telling you, sometimes the invitation... It's not always there. And sometimes it is time-sensitive. Invitations must be responded to. And sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. And he cannot make me if I don't follow him. He cannot make you if you don't respond to him. So there is the making on his part, but there is the responding and answering on my part. Can I hear an amen? amen? There's an invitation. Here's the second thing. I have to be willing to begin where I am. You have to be willing to begin where you are. Now, you've heard this, and maybe you've said this. I wish I had begun earlier. I wish I was younger. I wish I was older. I wish I hadn't failed so many times. I wish I had more opportunities. I wish I had a better reputation. Which hadn't messed up. Your attention. The only place you can start is right where you are. The only time you have is right now. You cannot re-spin the world. You have one choice. Start where you are. I have no idea what kind of young men Peter and Andrew and James and John were. And neither do you. Because they kind of appear. I don't know if they were choir boys. I don't know if they were obedient to their parents. I don't know if they made straight A's in school. I don't know if they were a track star, football star, fishing star. I just don't know. I don't know if they were hoodlums or ruffians or gang members. But I do know this. No matter what position and place they were in, an invitation came to them and they had to respond right where they were. And you and I have to do the same thing. The Lord is saying, this is what you were and this is what I'm going to make you. This is where you were and this is where I'm going to take you. It's extremely difficult for you and I to, su to submit to the making if we always spend our time mourning. Many times we are crying over our past instead of anticipating our future. And I would say every one of us have been guilty of that at one time or another. You see, if you receive an invitation while you're in the city of Ur, the Chaldeans, go for it. Because that's the only place you got the invitation. If you're in the land of Midian, Moses, and the invitation comes through a burning bush, go for it. Because that's the time and the place you got the invitation. If you're in Egypt and you want to be free, accept the invitation in slavery because that's just where you are. You have to start where you are. David, if you want to be a king and you're a shepherd, start shepherding right where you are. Be faithful. Go on. Listen, if you're a fisherman on a boat and want to be an apostle, just start right there. You and I always start where we, where, where we are. We don't have any other choice. You see, if you're in a bad relationship, just start there. If you're depressed, be willing to start there. 
If you've been offended, you've got to start there. If you've been hurt, you've got to start there. If you've been broken, be willing to start there. If you tried and failed, be willing to start again. You see, no matter where you're at, that's where you're at. Well, when I get better, I'll start. When, when this happens, I'll get started. When the, 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 uh, no, no, listen, listen. You've got to start right where you are because there's an invitation. There's an opportunity that someone is wanting to make you and make me. Here's the third thing. You've got to realize that you might stumble somewhere along the way. Has anybody ever stumbled along the way? <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure-footed. Kind of like a mountain goat. I was in Mexico about uh, a little over a year or so ago. I was in Chiapas down by the, uh, the last state of Mexico by uh, Guatemala. And I'm having to wear bifocals some now. And bifocals and stairs are of the devil. <laughs> and so I was coming down the stairs in Tuxla Gutierrez in a hotel with my boots on and my bifocals. And somewhere halfway down the stairs, great was the fall of that house. <laughs> I rolled halfway down the steps and scooted out into the lobby of the hotel. And there was a lady walking by about the time I rolled out into the lobby. Buenos dias. Oh, goodness gracious. I heard all over. Not long ago, I was working on a piece of equipment. We were getting our land ready for wheat, and uh, there was a, a piece that had to lock in. It snapped in, and I couldn't get to the snap in. So I got a piece of two-inch pipe about 10 foot long, and I made, me, I made me a little lever there. Who was it, Archimedes, that said if you can get a fulcrum and a lever long enough you can move the world. I guess that's what I thought. And I stuck it down in that piece of equipment and I got on the end of it and I began to, you know, I began to pull it and I began to pull it and pull it and all of a sudden the end of that slipped down and I went back on my, yeah, my backside where I carry my billfold there until this day, every once in a while, I still feel that fall. And I would love to tell you that once you start believing in Christ and you start this journey, you're never going to have a stumble or a failure or a fall, but you know I'd be lying to you. So you have to be willing to accept the invitation. You have to be willing to start where you are. And if you fall down, you've got to be willing to get back up. Uh, let me tell you why. Because these same people that he called had to get back up. James and John did. <laughs> these guys you do know what they were called the sons of thunder now you've heard me joke about this these guys had leather togas on and on the back of it it said sons of thunder and they drove chariots with mag wheels Carrie and I were in Santa Fe back in August and have you ever seen, and I've never watched the, the show, but I've seen it advertised. It's about a motorcycle gang called the Sons of Anarchy. Have you seen that? It's all the holy people I haven't seen it, but all of you have seen it. So I'm just kidding with you. 
So the Sons of Anarchy, we're in Santa Fe, and there's a motorcycle group that rolls up. They got the leathers on, and you know they got all, they're all decked out. And on the back, it says Sons of Arthritis. <laughs> I said, Carrie, look at that. When I first saw it, I thought it was said Sons of Anarchy on it. So I looked close. It says Sons of Arthritis. They all had Sons of Arthritis. They're all older guys. <laughs> and I said, Man, I identify with that. Sons of Arthritis. But, but James and John, the sons of thunder, they go get their mother to approach Jesus and say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, would you grant one son to sit on your left hand and the other son to sit on your right hand? And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking for, sister. You know what James and John were wanting? We want position. We want titles. Let me tell you, the church is eaten up way too much with that. The Lord will set you in the right place. He will confirm you. He will establish you. You try to do it, you're wrong. Oh, but let my boy set one on the right, one on the left. This stumbling. Peter stumbled. Oh, yeah. You know, he was likely to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, Jesus is telling Peter and the rest of the crew, he says, you know, I'm going to go to the cross, going to give my life, uh, I'm going to sacrifice my life. Peter rebukes him. Oh, no, you're not going to do that? That's when Jesus turns to Peter and said, Satan, get thee behind me. You know what Peter's doing? <laughs> Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, don't play for the other side now. Come on. You're on my side. You're stumbling here. You're falling here. You're getting somewhere that you don't need to be. Peter stumbled. He would say the wrong thing at the wrong time. He would deny the Lord. He would curse. Peter could even have some racist tendencies at times. He, he would hang around the Gentiles, but when the Jews came around, he would kind of separate himself and say, I'm going to hang around with these Jews because I don't want them to think I hang around Gentiles. You know, Paul said, I rebuked him to his face. Hey, Peter, this is not right. How many of you know having respect of persons is a sin? So, so Peter, he fell. Denied the Lord, say things he shouldn't say, do things he shouldn't do, but how many of you know God was making him? James and John, the Lord's making him. Peter and Andrew, the Lord's making him. See, when you're being made, you may stumble, you may fail, you may fall, but keep on going. This group, and I find this amazing. Jesus is sending them before him, preparing his entrance into these cities. And some of the cities said, we don't want Jesus here. And, and this wonderful Christian group said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and burn them up? And Jesus said, oh, that's a good idea. That's what I came for. How many of you know they, they, they were cooked in the squat? They, they were still being made. I mean, here these guys are saying, Lord, do you want us to burn them all up? Goodness gracious, how can we be that way? Because we're still being made. The Lord is still doing something in us. He's still molding us. He's still making us. He's got his hands around us like the potter that is forming the clay on the wheel. And sometimes there's a lump in there and there's a piece of rock in there and some trash in there. And he has to pull it out and squash it back and remold it and reform it. And that's what he does for us. We're being made. 
made. We're formed by the hand of God. You see, all of us, and I mean all of us, falter. Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. So if you fall, get up. If you fall, get back up. If you fall, get back up. If you have an issue with pornography, let him make you. If you have an issue with drugs or alcohol, let him make you. If you are here today and you're gone from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, let him make you. Let him form you. Don't keep repeating the same destructive cycles over and over and over and over again. Listen to the invitation. Start where you are and say, Lord, here I am. Make me. I failed. I faltered. But I'm going to get back up and it's not too late. You have potential in you. God put it there. You have greatness in you. God put it there. Don't... Uh, don't keep yourself from him developing you and nurturing you. Don't stay in mediocrity. Don't hide behind the nets. Stick your head out and say, did, did you call me? I'll follow you. Immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him. Do you know the enemy, and don't you love the song we sing, do you know the enemy wants you to fail? The enemy wants you to falter. He does not want you to reach your potential. He does not want you to gain. He does not want you to go forward. He wants you to give up. But God says, I want to make you. You and I have to decide if we want to be made, developed into something wonderful, someone faithful, someone that God can use, something the Lord's going to do in our life in a great way. If you fail, keep on going. If you fall, get up. Because the Lord's still making you. He's still working on you. And you and I have to begin. And the way we begin is by answering the invitation. The invitation is this. Follow me and I will what? Make you. Follow me and I will make you. He cannot make you into what you can become unless you what? Follow him. And I'm looking at a lot of people who've decided to follow him. And I'm looking at a lot of people that the Lord is making. He has made, he is making, and he will continue to make. And if you're like me, sometimes when I have failed and I have fallen, I think things like this, well, I guess maybe I'm washed up. Maybe my best days are behind me. Maybe I can't get up and start over again. That's the enemy talking to you. It's not God. Think about Moses. Do you know Moses was a murderer? And Abraham was a wife swapper. Y'all are looking at me like uh, this guy's lost his ever loving mind. I, I, am I still in the word? And David was an adulterer. Just those three give me hope. God looks at Abraham and says, I'm going to make you something. And he looks at Moses and says, I'm going to make you something. 
And he looks at David and he says, I'm going to make you something. Oh, yeah, I, I know all of your faults and all your mistakes and all your sin. I know your iniquity. But my grace is so much greater than your sin. I can still take you and make you into something wonderful and great and mighty for my glory. And I believe that for you and I believe that for me. Our best days are ahead of us. I don't care if you're starting at 80 like a Moses or you're 100 waiting for a promise like an Abraham or you're 17 like a David saying, will this ever come to pass in my life? And the answer is, whether you're 100 or 17, God's still making people. And he will make people if we just answer the invitation. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.